Good evening, and welcome to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm author and host Kevin Hopkins, and this is episode 147. <clears throat> we continue walking through the Gospel of John this evening, and we'll be in John chapter 10. But first, I want to just take a moment and recognize um, some some recognition that we've gotten from Feedspot.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. Feedspot is a ranking and rating organization that um, collects and presents lists of the top podcasts in the market because there are thousands of podcasts, probably tens of thousands of podcasts out there. Uh, the rating organizations kind of tend to to bring to people's attention those that they think are the best. And Feedspot has a ranking for um, for podcasts that have to do with the book of Revelation, uh, specifically in the genre of the book of Revelation, end times, and prophecy. And they, last week, uh, released a list of the top 25 podcasts on the book of Revelation for 2023. And we were named as the 13th most recommended uh, podcast in the book of Revelation. So it's quite an honor. And the effect has been that since that posting about 10 days ago, our, our weekly listenership for the past week was double what it's been averaging for the past couple of months. Typically, in a week, we see 120, 125 listeners who who listen to at least one episode all the way through. Uh, this week, we've had uh, 222 listeners who've listened to an episode all the way through. So, not quite double, but 100 more. Um, it's, it's a significant, uh, remarkable increase. So... I just want to say thank you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, I noticed by the analytics that uh, many people are starting in the book of Revelation and then the same user uh, starts also listening to either Job or the material from the Gospel of John at the same time that they're, they're still listening to Revelation. So thank you for exploring the podcast and the things that I've tried to post just to help people. It's really what I want to do is to make the Bible more accessible to folks, uh, more understandable, uh, and to provide people a focus. A lot of folks kind of purposed at the beginning of the year that they were going to spend more time studying and, and diving into the Bible. So what I'm trying to give you is a little deeper dive than you might get at your Wednesday night prayer group meeting or Bible study meeting. A lot of folks read the Bible. Not a lot of people dive in and study um, because you'll lose friends doing that. You're going to form an opinion of things that differs in some way from what you've always been told to believe. And when you do that, you can make people mad. I, I can't count the number of people I've made mad by simply saying, look at this and see that it doesn't actually say what we were always told 
to believe it says. And I think it's pretty clear at most points, but I've really made some people mad and lost friends and lost church members and had people call me all kinds of names just for trying to dive into the Bible past the surface uh, interaction that we're very much accustomed to. So thank you for joining me in that pursuit. I hope I don't cost you too many friends, but uh, let's go to John chapter 10 and look at a really interesting section of the Gospel of John in which Jesus uses the the picture of the shepherd and the sheep, the sheep pen, the sheep gate, uh, and says a lot of things to the Pharisees about who his sheep are. <clears throat> Bear in mind that this follows on the heels of the of the story in chapter 9 of the healing of the man who was born blind, born unable to see. And if if I can get you to just kind of look back at the last paragraph or so of chapter 9 and then read into chapter 10 without a break. Ignore the verses and the chapter headings. Ignore everything. Just read right in. And and this whole thing is a big section. Chapter 9 and chapter 10 are all one story. So try reading them that way and see if it doesn't make a little more sense to you. I'll try and bring out the connections as we go through. Chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you, Pharisees, the absolute truth. Anyone who does not enter the pen by the gate, but climbs over the fence, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the true shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper recognizes him and opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and they follow him out, and he leads them. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said another way, I tell you the absolute truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the absolute full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and devours it and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and really doesn't care for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must also bring them, for they too listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock 
and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were once again divided, as if they ever weren't. Many of them said, See, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the words of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So the question that the Pharisees asked Jesus at the end of chapter 9 was, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you, if you were blind, you wouldn't have any guilt. But the fact that you claim to be able to see leaves you guilty. I tell you Pharisees the truth. Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs over the fence, is a thief and a robber. Anyone who takes a shortcut, anyone who doesn't come through the word, is a thief and a robber. It was true in their day. It's true in our day. There is only one way to come in through the Father, to come into the Father, to belong to his family, to his fold, to his flock, and that's to come in through the gate. You come to the gate, the gate, the pen was a a community pen. So shepherds from all over that area at night would bring their sheep and put them in this community pen to bed down and be safe. And there was a, a watchman there over the gate and he would chase off any wolves or scavengers or Anybody that came looking to cause trouble, he would chase off the thieves and the robbers. The next day, each shepherd would come to the gate. The gatekeeper would recognize them because he knew they were keepers of the sheep. He would let them in. They would give their specific call to their sheep, and their sheep would recognize that's their shepherd, and they would follow him out. And again, they would divvy up all their sheep and head back out to pasture for the day. Jesus uses that picture to show how the kingdom of heaven is. There are those who come and try to steal the sheep, to fleece the sheep, to eat the sheep. He he says in another place in the New Testament, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you have taken advantage of the sheep. You have eaten the sheep. So it this connects to that. He's, he's saying to the Pharisees, you can't steal my sheep without being guilty. If you had if you were blind, you wouldn't have guilt. But the fact that you claim that you have the light and yet you take advantage of of this flock, oh yes, you're guilty. You're thieves and robbers because you haven't come in through the gate. The sheep 
hear the master's voice, but they avoid all the others. Wow. What's that say to the church today? As we look out over Christianity at denominations tearing themselves apart over whether or not to ordain or or sanctify or bless same-sex marriage or same-sex people. And and the and the largest most historically revivalistic denomination in our nation is tearing itself apart. Now the truth is neither neither part will have the financial swing to survive for long. They can't make it without each other. But they're they're dead set on going their separate ways. It will be the end of the church of my childhood. The United Methodist Church isn't united now and it's not going to survive. But it's no different than so many other denominations where they're just closing churches across the country right now. People are not coming to church because the voice they hear from the church is not the voice of Christ. And I watch my evangelical brothers and sisters on social media make all kinds of excuses for who's not committed and who's not in and who doesn't belong and who was never saved. We make up all kinds of excuses. But that's not the voice of Jesus. And our judgments and our finger pointing and our dividing who's holy and who's unholy, who's saved and who's not saved, who's welcome and who's not welcome, that doesn't sound anything like Jesus. And the sheep are running away. And if we could see, we would see that. If we were blind, we'd be without guilt because we wouldn't know where to point fingers or who to judge. But since we claim to have the light and we use that light to divide and to and to accuse, whether it's you young people just aren't committed enough or it's you old fogies just don't understand where the church needs to go today, both wrong because we claim to have light but we divide the flock we ridicule and we criticize and and we're graceless and when we're graceless we're not the voice of Christ not even close and so the sheep just like Jesus said they would they flee because they don't recognize that voice. And just like the Pharisees in their Johannine confusion, Pharisees don't understand, so Jesus explains, we don't get it either. Or we wouldn't behave in church the way a lot of folk are behaving. Jesus says, okay, let me do this a different way. And let me tell you the absolute truth. I'm the gate. I'm the gate. It's the same thing as saying, no man comes to the Father except through me. It's exactly what he's saying. I'm the gate. I'm the way. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's another one of those I am statements. I am the gate. If you won't come through me, you are a thief and a robber of the sheep. All who came before me, anyone who accessed the sheep and and sheared them, or worse, skinned them and ate them, were thieves and robbers. But the sheep haven't listened to them. They've had to abuse the sheep to get them to do their will or follow their dogma because the sheep wouldn't just listen. The sheep didn't buy in wholeheartedly to this message. They had to be indoctrinated into it. But whoever enters through me will be saved. There won't be any question. There won't be any reason to say, well, I don't know if he's really ever saved or not. That's a silly argument. Who would who would ever know? And he doesn't say, the ones I've chosen will be saved. The ones I've called will be saved. The ones I've selected will be saved. He says, anyone, anyone who enters through me will be saved. And I believe you have to be drawn, but I believe that's what the grace and the person of Jesus Christ absolutely always does. He's attractive. If people could experience the, the real love of Jesus Christ, it would draw them. Who would turn away? The responsibility is yours and mine to help them see the real love, the real acceptance the real mercy, the real grace, the real forgiveness of the real Jesus Christ, not the dogma of our stupid church. My sheep come in, they go out, they find pasture, they're fed, they're comforted, they're protected. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I always thought he was talking about the devil here. And he is. He is. This this applies to the devil as well, but that's not who he's talking about. He's talking about those who would come to manipulate the sheep. Those who would do ministry for personal gain, for personal reputation, for the star quality of it all, for the, for the ego trip of controlling and manipulating others. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to consume. He's going to skin and eat the sheep. He's not going to care for them and help them find pasture. The enemy comes. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so they may have life. In him was life. And that life is the light of men. And the light shines and continues to shine in the darkness. And the darkness cannot shade it in any way. I came that they may have life. And pick your, pick your version here. And have it more abundantly. And have it to the full. And have it to the ultimate. English fails to grab the largeness of this word here. 
I came that they may have absolutely nothing but life. Because, next verse, I am the good shepherd. How do I give them life? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand isn't the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. When the wolf comes, he runs away and the sheep get devoured. That's what's happened to my flock. I've left them in the care of hired hands who have not watched out for them because they were not good shepherds. The wolves have set upon the flock and scattered it. But I, I am the good shepherd. He says it twice in two paragraphs. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. That's an idea that is really going to come to a head in John chapter 17. But this is the second time he said it already. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I would say that's a pretty tight relationship, wouldn't you? How well do you think Jesus knows the Father? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's that's part of the glorious story of our gospel. That's part of the supernatural truth of the gospel. That the Almighty, the Most High, became flesh and lived with us. That, that God himself became a man. You can't do that any other way than supernaturally. We are so one that we are the same one. I know my sheep and my sheep know me in the same way the Father knows me and I know the Father. We are one. That's Jesus' vision for for you and me. That we would be one, not just with one another, but with Christ. That we would be in Christ. Someday I may have to do a series of podcasts on what it means to be in Christ. And the truth is I can't find any rights, privileges, or, or grace for those who aren't in Christ. And for those who are in Christ, I find no judgment, no ungrace, no condemnation. Their judgment's already been had. It's, it's just one of the amazing truths of the New Testament around the term in Christ. <clears throat> we become as close to God as Jesus is. We become as close to Jesus as God is. I know my sheep and my sheep know me and I lay down my life for the sheep. It's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen on the cross. Absolutely. See, that's not how the Jewish system worked. In the Jewish system, the lamb was the one you killed in order for your sin to be forgiven. 
The lamb was laid hands on that lamb and you held him down as he struggled while the priest slit his throat and you and you held him down with your hands on him identifying with him as he bled to death. You forced the lamb into that sacrifice. Jesus says, nope, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I've come to flip the tables, guys. I'm going to give up my life voluntarily so the sheep can stop being forced to die. Then he says something really curious. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must also bring them. They too will hear my voice. Listen to it. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You and I are the other sheep. There used to be a church publication called The Other Sheep. It was a devotional guide. I think it's still out there. (laughs) That's you and me. You see, he was talking to the Pharisees about God's chosen people, the Jews. Those are his sheep. Those are the ones who've been sacrificing a lamb every year for their own sin. Those are the people he is going to free from the, from the manipulation and the control of their leaders. But guys, I've got other sheep who don't belong to this club. I have to get them too. I don't know if the Pharisees understood what he was talking about there. I suspect they got the idea. I'm going to go get my other sheep. They'll hear my voice. They'll come. And then there will be one flock and one shepherd. I don't know how many denominations there are in the world today. but Last I knew it was something like 12,000. And of those thousands of denominations, we've divided ourselves over the dumbest stuff and and truly over over a partially read bible we read enough of the first couple of chapters to get the garden and the snake and then we read the last part of three or four gospels to get the cross and the resurrection and We skip almost everything in between and we take out all the supernatural. And we think we have a gospel. That's not the whole story. And we've left ourselves dumb enough that we have trite little statements about bits and pieces of the gospel, of the story, the salvation story of mankind. And we think we've got it, but... We're not even close. And and if somebody disagrees with some little bitty aspect of our version of the story, then they go start another church or we go start another church. 
if somebody wants to practice their worship in some weirdness that the rest of us haven't been practicing, they go and start their own. That's not one flock. The question is, what voice are they hearing? My question before church every Sunday is, what voice are we hearing? Whose voice are we listening to? There's an old Amy Grant song that says, who do you listen to? They're going to hit you from all sides. You're going, you're going to have to clarify your mind to know whose voice you're hearing. And when I look at 14,000 denominations on the face of the earth, my question is, who are we listening to? My question for my pastor every Sunday morning, my prayer for him is, Lord, help him hear your voice and help us discern who we're listening to. I love my pastor. And, and every Sunday, he brings us a message from God. And every Sunday, my spirit affirms. That's the shepherd's voice right there. That's the shepherd's voice. That's what I need in a church. I need a church that shows me the Father, that shows me Christ, the one who would die for the sheep. I need spiritual leadership that is willing to lay down their lives, their careers, their reputations, their names, to do what they believe God's asked them to do. Are they going to catch flack? Yes. Are they going to be accused? Yes. Are they going to end up in all kinds of questions and trouble? Probably so. If they step past what they've been told to teach and dive into what the Bible really says in the parts that their denomination always skips, they're going to run into some trouble. But the sheep will hear. The sheep will say, that's the truth. No matter what the denomination says, no matter what the church across the street says, no matter what my friends at Canasta say, I hear the truth. Because I have a pastor who, like Christ, is willing to give his life for people to hear this message. The Jews heard him and said he's demon-possessed. Listen at him, ranting and raving, calling himself the good shepherd, saying that he wants us to be one with him like he's one with the Father. Why would you listen to that stuff? The other side says, those aren't the words of a crazy person. Those aren't the words of a demon-possessed man. Could a demon, would a demon, open the eyes of a blind man? See, that's the question, guys, gals. Who am I listening to? Well... What's the goal of what I'm listening to? What's it intended to do? Is it intended to exhort, revive, renew, encourage? 
Or is it meant to divide? Discourage, condemn, judge. Because the enemy of your soul, he won't tell you the truth and he won't try to encourage you and he won't try to shed any light on anything. He'll just try to keep you in the dark. The enemy of your soul will encourage you to complacency. Listen to the stories the way you've always heard them and don't think any new thoughts. Listen to what was written by the idiots in the 1970s about the end times and and claim that as gospel truth. Don't open that Bible. Ignore what that Bible says or doesn't say. Don't try and analyze the Bible because people of our faith, people of the awakened faith, people of the prophetic faith, we listen to these ding-dongs on YouTube and we believe that they know better. I want you to start listening really closely to people like that. And I want you to discern to the best of your ability whether or not that's the voice of the Good Shepherd or it's a distraction. The devil's not here to make you come worship the devil, he doesn't care about that. He's here to distract you from doing what God would call you to do. He's going to keep you busy and distracted. He's going to keep you diving in to YouTube videos instead of the Word. He's going to keep you watching television instead of going to church. He's going to keep you away from Bible study, from prayer, from worship. He's just going to make you busy and distracted. Because that doesn't feel evil. Worshiping the devil, that would feel evil. He doesn't have to get you to worship him. He just has to get you to the point that you don't hear the voice of the good shepherd. Sheep, point your ears and know who you're listening to.